our differences worldwide would vanish if we were facing an alien threat from outside this world. And yet, I ask you, is not an alien force already among us? Exopolitics, paranormal phenomena, and deep analysis of current world events from somewhere in the desert between Area 51 and Roswell, blasting across the planet, the Manticore Network proudly presents Veritas, because the truth will set you free. Headline edition, July 8, 1947. The Army Air Forces has announced that a flying disc has been found and is now in the possession of the Army. They were too fast to be an airplane. I think it's time to open the books on the question of government investigations of UFOs. Uh, we ought to do it really because it's right. We ought to do it because the American people, quite frankly, can handle the truth. And we ought to do it because it's the law. Be skeptical. Do be as skeptical as you want, but by all, don't close your mind. Greetings to everyone around the world and a warm welcome to another edition of the Veritas Show, where you listen because you don't want to believe, you listen because you want to know. I'm your host, Mel Fabregas, and I sincerely thank you for tuning in once again. Today, we have a great show for you, and a great show must include a great guest, and we certainly have one, and we have answered the request of so many people who wanted to hear tonight's special guest, Richard Dolan. UFOs and the National Security State. By the way, if you're listening prior to 9 p.m. Pacific Time on Friday, March the 13th, head to our chat room by going to VeritasShow.com, click on Show Info, and chat. I will be there. If you cannot attend, then visit us on the forum, where great exchanges are taking place, including guest recommendations, debate, etc. As usual, to get in touch with me, simply go to our website and click on Contact or send an email to mail, that's M-E-L, at veritasshow.com. Those of you who write know I eventually respond. I was going to include something I've been promising for some time, but due to the lack of time, I wasn't able to do so. I will include it on the next show. I'm referring to a clip from Dr. Mitchell's interview. Almost at the end of the interview, I asked him a peculiar question, and all of a sudden, he could not hear me. And we got disconnected, as if someone did not want that question asked. I called him again and resumed the conversation. Next week's special guest on March the 20th is Robert Morningsky. This will be an exclusive interview. His first public interview since 1999. The Terra Papers Revisited. And on March the 27th, Payne Andoff, known as Astral Walker author of Extraordinary Powers in Humans. He posted a thread on the Project Avalon forum 
and it has had over 210,000 views so far. Obviously, people are listening to his message. He is from Macedonia and will be with us directly from Melbourne, Australia. We only have a couple of weeks left for the Veritas Video Contest. Soon, we'll post a polling system so you can decide who the winner is. Let's get a few more videos in. The contest ends on March the 31st. Also, we continue to grow on Facebook. If you haven't joined, that is a way for me to be in touch with you too. And this comes courtesy of the blog of 22050Hertz. It's a poll. Most Americans psychologically prepared for proof of extraterrestrial life. Three in four, at 74%, claim they are at least somewhat psychologically prepared for an official government announcement regarding the discovery of intelligent extraterrestrial life. Clearly, a majority of Americans are ready for the discovery of extraterrestrial life, with 42% saying they are very prepared and 32% saying they are somewhat prepared. Psychological preparedness is particularly common among the following demographic groups. Males, 83%. Only 17% women, that's hard to believe. 18 to 64-year-olds, 79%. Those with household incomes of $50,000 or more, 85%. Residents of the West, 82%. I believe that one. Those with internet access at home, 82%. Americans who believe in extraterrestrial phenomena and who claim to have had or know someone who had a close encounter of their own are also significantly more likely to say they are psychologically prepared for the discovery of intelligent life. Interesting poll, don't you think? Let's take a quick break and we'll be right back with our special guest, Richard Dolan. If you want to hear one of the luminaries of the UFO field of research and an author with one of the best books you could ever read and own on this topic. Don't go anywhere. Richard M. Dolan was born in Brooklyn, New York in 1962. He holds a master's degree in history from the University of Rochester and a bachelor's degree in history from Alfred University. He earned a certificate in political theory from Oxford University and was a Rhodes Scholar finalist. Prior to his interest in anomalous phenomena, Dolan studied U.S. Cold War strategy, Soviet history, and international diplomacy. In 2000, he published a 500-page study 
UFOs, and the National Security State. This is the first volume of a two-part historical narrative of the national security dimensions of the UFO phenomenon from 1941 to the present. Included are the records of more than 50 military bases relating to innumerable violations of sensitive airspace by unknown objects, demonstrating that the U.S. military has taken the topic of UFOs seriously indeed. Apollo 14 astronaut and veteran of the Veritas show Dr. Edgar Mitchell has called Dolan's book monumental, while Dr. Hal Putoff, director of the Institute for Advanced Studies at Austin, has declared it to be a must-read for serious students in the field. Dolan has published numerous articles on anomalous phenomena, science, and the intelligence community for UFO magazine. In 2003, he helped found Phenomena, a magazine dedicated to leading-edge issues pertaining to science and society, and for which he continues to serve as senior editor and regular contributor. Richard Dolan also continues to research and write Volume 2 of UFOs and the National Security State. He lives with his family in Rochester, New York. With us tonight, from the East Coast to the Southwest, Richard Dolan. Hello, Richard, and welcome to the Veritas Show. How are you? Hello, Mel. Thank you for having me on. It's a pleasure. It's my pleasure. Richard, do you mind, before we delve into your great work in the area of UFOs and the national security apparatus, can you take a moment and share with our audience a little about your early years, your effort to get your master's in history from the University of Rochester and your certificate in political theory? Sure from Oxford University. Absolutely. I'd be very happy to. Um, let's see. Back back in the olden times, otherwise known as the 1980s, I was, uh, <laughs> I was right after that asteroid. Remember that? That killed off the dinosaurs? I do. Uh, I was back in those times. And, um, yeah, when I was an undergraduate student, I, w I went to a uh, university up, upstate New York at a wonderful place called Alfred University, where I uh, majored in a history and English literature, and I minored in philosophy. I was kind of a liberal arts maniac. But during that period, I uh, applied for a scholarship to study at Oxford University, and I, I won it. Uh, so um, that was in 1983. I studied at Exeter College at Oxford University. I was 21 years old, first time I'd ever gone overseas. <clears throat> and I had the, uh, the pleasure to study under a, a wonderful scholar named Gavin Williams, Uh, I'm not, I don't know what happened with Gavin. He may still be there. But I studied political uh, ideologies and theory under Gavin. I had a really nice experience. And um, in fact, he said to me one day, Richard, I believe you should apply for the Rhodes, Rhodes Scholarship, which he, right, Gavin, right. in fact, had been a Rhodes uh, Scholar himself. So he said, you know, you should apply for it. And I thought, wow, okay, I, I think I'll do that. So I went, went back to... Uh, Alfred University, and during my senior year, applied, went through the whole Rhodes application process. It was an ordeal for me. I'd never gone through anything this involved before in my life. And uh, um, I had to get all these uh, letters of recommendation, like five or six letters from professors, I think. I had to write this long uh, thing out. And I made the final cut. I was, uh, it was really kind of cool. I went down, uh, I remembered interviewing down in New York City. Uh, the lady who ran the Rhodes Committee was a friend of Henry Kissinger, and she hmm. never stopped talking about that. And I, uh, I have to tell you, I was I was not a fan of Henry Kissinger back then either, as I have, you know know more than I am today. And I, I got kind of turned off by a lot of the Rhodes experience. And I think when I really look back, that I 
I sabotaged my own interview. Uh, they only give you like, it's like 12 minutes. You go in there and uh, they, they really try to throw you off. Like they'll, they'll give you these off-the-wall kinds of questions and see how well you think on your feet. And I, I think I was okay, but uh, apparently uh, not okay enough. So I, ne- I didn't get the roads. I made the last cut. And as a result of not getting the roads, I got accepted for a fellowship to study uh, history at the University of Rochester for graduate school. So I went I went to the U of R, as we call it, and uh, actually got my, my master's in European history very quickly. That was, I think I was 23 or 24 years old. And then uh, began work on a doctoral dissertation initially in German history, which I did throughout most of the 1980s. Went to Berlin, in fact. Uh, I was in Germany east and west a few times during the 80s, and I was in Berlin when the wall had come down. Actually, I arrived right after the wall opened. I, I predicted the event months before. I just, not psychically, but politically, I knew it was coming Is down. that right? Absolutely. As soon as Hungary opened their border to West Germany, that was in uh, late summer of 89, I, I remembered saying to people, that wall's coming down before the end of the year. You marked my you word. Saw, you saw that domino effect. Absolutely, because there's no way. The, the wall went up in 1961, because East Germany was losing their population, they were hemorrhaging people, you'd, you'd go to work one day and try to take the bus, and the bus driver would be gone to West Berlin, to West, and the yeah. whole economy mm-hmm. was about to shut down. So they built the wall as a result. Now, they could do that in 1961. They couldn't do it in 1989. There was no chance. The whole political situation was, was upside down at that point. So I knew the only way they could stop the hemorrhaging of their society was... Uh, by making some concession to the West, and it would have to be West Germany, and the only concession they could really make that would be worth anything was you, you open the borders. And that's exactly what they did. Um, so the, I was already planning to go to Berlin at that point. I was doing uh, German language and political study for my dissertation at the time, which was in, uh, get this, 19th century German political police under Otto von Bismarck. Yeah. So, <laughs> so anyway, I got there a few days after the wall was breached, but I was there for the first weekend, and I was there for about three or four months, and I had an absolutely electrifying time there. I came back though, kind of bummed out over my lack of progress. I, my German language skills were good, but not great. So I switched. I went to American diplomacy, and uh, in my university, no one, no one had ever switched from. So you switched European to American, yeah. So I started from scratch in a sense. Uh, to the American history program. And that was great. I had a, a wonderful experience doing that and uh, started on a doctoral dissertation in U.S. Cold War strategy uh, under Harry Truman, right. circa 1950. Uh, and in fact, I was uh, studying a document at the time known as NSC 68. It's a rather well-known document. You could do a Google on it. There's a lot of stuff on it. And uh, that was my whole thing. And nothing to do with flying saucers. It was all... Cold War. The basic thing with NSC 68 was real simple. It was right. a document that lands on Truman's desk in April 1950, right before Korea breaks out. And the document says, basically, we are losing this Cold War. We're getting our asses kicked. If we don't do something right now, we're, gonna, we're screwed. <laughs> so this lands on Truman's desk and at a time when he's trying to balance the budget by cutting military spending. It was the last thing he wanted to see. Surprise, surprise. So he's staring at this document for two months, not knowing what to do, and then war breaks out in Korea, and that settled the issue. And NSC-68 basically became the blueprint for U.S. Cold War strategy with the Soviet Union. It tripled defense spending and everything else. 
So uh, that was my whole thing. I wrote a lot on NSC 68. Uh, and then at that time, this is the early 90s, I was in my early 30s, I, um, I got sucked into the UFO topic. And uh, it was funny. I was in a bookstore one day, popping around, and I saw Tim Good's very excellent above top secret subtitled The Worldwide UFO Cover Up. Right. And it was a big fat book uh, on display, and I thought, oh, wow. Looks kind of neat. I remember leafing through it, and um, I, I knew nothing about UFOs at that time. Nothing that was worth anything. I mean, basically average citizen stuff. You know, I'd heard of Roswell, couldn't tell you much about it, uh, things like that. I don't think I knew about MJ-12 at that time. So I remember leafing through his book and thinking, oh, I know that name, and I've read about this department. It's you know, a lot of political stuff, but not in a UFO context. So that was jarring to me. And then, of course, in the back of his book, he has the appendices, which included the MJ-12 documents. And they sure as heck looked um, interesting. And I wondered, gee, can they be true? And so I bought the book, read it, and I got very interested. And then I started trolling around on what was then the Internet, uh, basically bulletin board groups. I remember um, Alt-Paranet UFO was the big one. And and I just would read what people would say. So uh, I got I got increasingly interested, and then I ended up. I thought I want to dive into this. I want to see, just satisfy for myself. I didn't want to write a book. Uh, whether or not I thought that there was anything to this, as a as someone who'd studied the history, you know, if if it was important, why had not any legitimate academic historian really tried to tackle it? Even if it was a mistake, if if it was true that some three or four star general. Uh, took this topic seriously in the 1940s or 50s, then why wouldn't it be in a history book? Right? So, I mean, it's interesting. So that book, that book at the store, let's call it an understandably fascinating object that penetrated your scholastic radar. Was that the, let's call it a UFO sighting, was that what changed your life and the direction of your career? Yeah, I guess it did. I mean, I would have to say finding Tim Good's book that day was a, a real turning point for me. And, and that combined with uh, the, the subsequent months that I spent on, on Usenet. And I didn't really contribute much. I, I was essentially reading articles that certain people wrote. And there's a lot of, you know, a lot of stupid things on, uh, on the bulletin boards. A lot of, you stink. No, you stink. But then there were people <laughs> who actually had things to say that I found interesting. And there, in fact, there was a gentleman who uh, contributed a lot of articles in 1994-95. He's not really a, a, a well-known UFO researcher, but he was a smart guy named Val German. He's still a friend of mine, and he wrote a lot of political-type analyses of, of the UFO uh, situation. That just hit me the right way. I thought, this is the kind of, of approach that I think I, I would like to try. I want to take this myself. And so then I had to start from ground zero, so to speak, with no knowledge of this topic, and I, I acquainted myself with the bibliography and just read everything. I mean, I, I read every, everything that was available, which was a lot. I read Dave Jacobs' uh, very excellent UFO controversy in America. I read old books sure. by Donald Kehoe, the Lorenzans, uh, who wrote back in the 50s and 60s, Edward Ruppelt, and, and everything else. And I, but the thing that was fortunate for me was that I was able, from the beginning, to take very methodical, meticulous notes and that was what really allowed me to move ahead in this. I, I didn't just read the books casually. I really dived in actively with my word processor. And any time I found a relevant fact in any of the books, I made a note of it. I put a citation in, and I put it in chronological order. And I, I made this massive uh, master chronology. By the time I finished with that, that itself was a 500-page book. 
and I thought, I'm just, I'm just going to write a book. I'm just going to do it. And um, because there wasn't a book like what I was trying to do. I mean, Tim Good's book was close, but it Thank you for listening. To unlock the full two-hour interview, including video formats, downloads, transcripts, exclusive articles, and more, subscribe to Veritas Plus now. Gain access to our entire archive dating back to 2008. Just click subscribe at veritasradio.com. Because you don't want to believe, you want to know. Subscribe now. To listen to the rest and all of our exclusive material, proceed to the Veritas Plus member section or join the Veritas Plus family by subscribing. Click on the subscribe button at veritasradio.com. Don't forget to visit the Veritas store for focused life force energy. Get a 15-day free trial today with no credit card required. And if you want to get in touch with Mel, want to be a guest on this radio program, have a guest suggestion, or have feedback, just click on the contact button on our website at veritasradio.com. Now, proceed to the Veritas Plus member section or subscribe to listen to the rest of the interview. You don't want to miss it. Because you don't want to believe, you want to know. What are you waiting for? Subscribe now at veritasradio.com.